You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to our ancestral helping spirits, to those people who walked the earth before us. I call out to those who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines into our life, that we might lean in there and learn from those who have gone before us that we might ask them the questions we need to ask so that we can understand what must, me, what must we let go of to be able to avoid making the same mistakes our ancestors have made yet again. And what must we open to within ourselves to be able to innovate and create the changes that our time is calling out for. We call out to these ancestors all the way back to the first people we ask them to be with us here today in a way that allows the living to be held well, to be supported and inspired, to do what it is that they have come here to do in their own time. And as these human ancestors gather around us, let us open our mind and reach out to those ancestors that are not human, to those living things that share the great web of life that have been here much, much longer than there has ever been a human. Let us reach out to these non-human ancestors and ask them to come into our lives to help us to surrender into our own true nature, to find our way out of the crazy, lost, foresty place of our mind and our tricksy thinking, and to find our way back to our heart and the deep memory that it holds of why we are here, and to engage the heart and all that has meaning and purpose for us in a way that we become again part of that great web of life. Not a destructive part of that web, but the blessing that human beings were meant to be. So we call out to these other ancestral helping spirits, those that are non-human, to come into our lives to forge working relationships with us so that we might be better able to more quickly, more succinctly, more passionately surrender the wrong ideas about who we are and open up to the possibility of what it is that we truly came here to be. And so with all of these ancestral helping spirits in their many forms gathering around, let our heart be warmed by the generosity and the profound manyness of all of the helping spirits that we have as we call ourselves in from wherever it might be that we are engaged and draw ourselves into our head. And with our next breath, let's bring our awareness from our head into our heart and the next breath from our heart into our belly. And with the next breath from our belly, let us reach down and touch the earth here for just a moment and give thanks. Gratitude for this day, another day to be alive, another opportunity to breathe and open up the possibility for change and transformation in our own lives, the possibility to do this in a way that inspires it in others, and the possibility to be here on a bad day and be inspired by others. We give gratitude for that diversity and beauty in this great web of life, the dream of this earth of life. We give gratitude to that. For it offers all that we need to do what it is that we have come here to do. And so with that profound thanks and a bit of awe and wonder for the miracle of life itself, let us send our energy all the way down through all the layers of the earth. Reaching down, letting our gratitude pour out layer by layer, 360 degrees into the whole earth. Not just your country but the world itself, the earth itself, reaching all the way down to the very center of the earth and taking a moment to connect into those energies that draw their strength and power out of the darkness, 
out of silence and out of stillness, out of solitude, and out of the wonder that comes when we explore these realms deeply, out of that blessing that comes into our life that begins by doing things that start with closing your eyes, moving into your own inner space. So we give gratitude to this energy of the earth that nourishes and sustains all things, that which is before and yet rises up without fail, without judgment, without bias, to infuse all of life. And we give gratitude to the earth for this modeling of how it is that we need to show up to manifest form in a good way. So as we draw that energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth into our body, We call out to this energy of the earth to help us to understand how to ground ourselves in our bodies and on this planet. And from that to know who we are, where we stand, and what we stand for. And to let what has true heart and meaning in our life to be that which we stand for. And may we shape our sense of home and belonging from these things. And may we open our table and our home to those who are other than we are that we might be provoked and challenged into becoming more than who we are in this moment and to truly become the men and women that we have come here to be in the profound beauty of that diversity. May we not be changed by those who would wish to drive us all hard and angry into all being the same. So as we hold out to the profound beauty and possibility that is held innately in the essence of diversity, Let us give thanks to the earth and use the energy of the earth to help us to understand the diversity within ourselves and to bring that into balance and wholeness and help us to come into right relationship with the earth around us. Help us to come into right relationship with others, all other life that inhabits this earth and come into right relationship with the invisible world. And as we do this, may we finally find ourselves in that connection with the great web of life and in that oneness come into truly right relationship with ourself. And as we're embodying the earth energy and shifting our awareness of relationship, let us move that earth energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and send that energy up and out through all the layers of the sky, reaching out through the sky and the atmosphere into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to those divine radiant energies above. And whether you connect with them through religious names and ideas or through the simple astounding beauty of the sun or the moon or the stars, reach up to that radiant energy above and call it down, down into yourself and into your day. And as we fill ourselves with this energy, we call in the essence energy of blessing, of blessing and of protection, of benevolence of our universe. And in this way, as we call this energy in, we call in inspiration and illumination. We call in the mentors and the champions along the way. And we ask that we might realize and we are called out to be those mentors and champions for others. As we call in the benevolence and beneficence of this entire universe, we draw these energies in, drawing them into our head, our heart, our belly, and send them down to the center of the earth. And in this way, through our intent, through the movement of our energy, through our own inner awareness, we connect the energies of earth and sky these two great legendary lovers, and we open ourselves up to the big love that is the connection of these two energies. And may that big love awaken the spirit of our own human hearts, and in that heart may we please reach in and turn on that great crucible of transformation to call up those fiery energies that live in our belly that hold that deep resonance and passion for why we are here, And call down that crystal clarity that lives in the mind that can help us understand how do we do this thing in our own time and do it well. As we call these energies into our heart and invite them to dance here in the heart in this dynamic tension, we call out to that dance to give birth to this third and most sacred thing, which is some sense, some memory, some passionate fire within us, something that helps us deep, more deeply understand why we are here.
And may you find something in that very same human heart, that courage that it takes to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those human and unique gifts into the world. And for all the spirit help that we have to do precisely that, I give profound thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. For those of you who are listening for the first time, what that means is that I invite those of you who are moved by this show in some way, even if it's not a positive way, I don't personally really care. All that I care is that you have been moved. And when you have been moved in the heart, I invite you to do that most central shamanic action is to let that which moves you in the heart motivate your actions in the world. And I invite you to do something large or small to help to support the show. So for those of you that have been able to support the show financially, I give gratitude to Julie and Joan, to Deborah and William, to Susan, Emily, Ben, and Asa. I give gratitude to all of you because you have been able to find your way to whyshamanismnow.com and to click on the support button and donate some amount, large or small, and, and know, everybody know, that all of it does literally go directly to the bills that keep the show on the air. And keep the archives available to anyone who can get on to the internet free all over the world. Uh, you can get to them through iTunes, through whyshamanismnow.com, through those archives, and through cocreatornetwork.com, our producer. And so I give gratitude to you that are helping me to do that. Because without your financial support, we would not be able to keep Why Shamanism Now active and alive. And I give gratitude to all of you who have been creative to figure out other ways that you can support the show by bringing them into your own practice and into your own work and through that practice offering questions and ideas for shows that help us to keep the topics current and how we as contemporary people are endeavoring to use our shamanic skills to meet the challenges of our own time in practical, effective, realistic ways. And I also give thanks to you who understand social media better than I do and use it well for helping to expand these conversations. For those of you that haven't found it, Why Shamanism Now does have its own Facebook page. You're welcome to go there. And this is the place where comments are available and open for different shows. Um, each show has its own little post. So anyway, you're welcome to search there as well. So thank you everyone for joining me today. We are live. And if you have questions about today's topic, which is about getting unstuck real life shamanic practice so if you do have questions you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site and as always no matter when you're listening to this uh, podcast you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org um, and you can also go to Last Mass Center to find information about classes and trainings there are two sites there's a why shamanism now site and last mass center site all righty then. So um, getting unstuck, real life shamanic practice. So we all experience stuckness at some point in life, whether we do precisely what we've been programmed to do uh, by our family and our culture, um, or we choose a different path, particularly a path that flows against the grain of our culture, like a salmon swimming upstream. Uh, it doesn't matter. Whether we do what's expected of us or we don't do what's expected of us, we can all end up stuck at one point or another in life. And there is an art to learning to get out of your own way. And this begins by being able to wake up to the denial we all participate in uh, that makes us think our denial that things are actually working. Like we can tell ourselves that for a really long time. And uh, to get unstuck, the first thing is to be willing to step out of that denial and into true curiosity about the deep nature of your own stuckness. And so that nature of your stuckness in and of itself can often be diagnostic and it's often avoided. People are so frustrated and in so much judgment of themselves for being stuck, etc., that they really miss the deep message that's in the very nature of the stuckness itself. So your judgment, your whining, your denial will keep you from the intimacy with your life that you long for and prolong your, stuff, your suffering in that stuck place. All right. So 
I've actually been thinking about this show series for years. In my mind, it lives in this series of shows that are subtitled Taking My Own Medicine. I think a lot about all of these shows being out there in the world and how important it is to walk your talk. And there's a lot of talking, you know, in 400 hours of podcasts about shamanism. And I often ask myself if I'm, if I'm actually living these teachings as robustly as I could. So I've been thinking about this show for a couple years now. And, uh, I haven't done it because, frankly, for a couple years now, I've been stuck again. And this isn't the big ego death stuck, which I've certainly been many times. Uh, but just your garden variety, your life is the logical conclusion of your own collected belief system kind of stuck. And, yep, stuck. You know, I'm human too. And so last week we talked with Kelly Harrell again um, about this idea of how our actions and perhaps inaction, um, is affecting energies in the spirit world. And as always, talking with Kelly inspires me. Actually, pretty much everything Kelly does inspires me, but talking with her is particularly inspiring. Um, and so in our show last week, uh, she was talking about her particular frustration um, with getting all inspired to to dive into this way in which we are sort of morphing the spirit world in not such a healthy way and start to really affect change there and finding that even her own, you know, more advanced students weren't ready to do that, that people were still, in a sense, in their own personal work. And her message was, you know, get it done. <laughs> and um, I wanted to engage a little bit more deeply in uh, my perspective of what get it done can mean, you know, and thus sort of dovetailing with this question of, well, Christina, you know, are you going to get it done? You know, you know, you've been stuck for a couple years now. Um, let's get on with it. Okay. So just to be clear, though, and to be respectful of Kenny Kelly, what she was really talking about um, is the way in which contemporary practitioners the way in which people perceive of themselves to be shamanic practitioners has been kind of co-opted into this or eddied out into this kiddie pool called self-help and shamanism has become about one's own personal transformation exclusively and by the way this is part of the reason indigenous practitioners think we're full of shit and, and, and continue the ongoing conversation about what does shaman mean, who gets to use the word, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So in some of my shows, I've talked about this, this shift from first wave shamanism to this second wave shamanism, which is kind of what Kelly's talking about, being sort of stuck in this shamanism as personal work. And not really moving on into what I call third wave shamanism, which is where we actually have done enough of our own personal work now to finally start to be the activists that shamans have always been. I mean, if we're really going to call ourselves shamanic practitioners, not even shamanic healers, but shamanic practitioners, then it is our place to to acknowledge the gap between what is and what needs to be and do all that we can to help close that gap. And we are at this point in time in our lives past the tipping point. That gap is growing exponentially and our capacity to step into that gap and change it is not. It could be, but it's not. And so this is what Kelly and I were really talking about. Okay, so let me offer up a working metaphor for this whole idea of get it done. Okay, so when we as contemporary people, and this is not the same if you're an indigenous practitioner or if you were back in the olden days. So this isn't going to show up as an aspect of your traditional shamanic teachings, those of you who received that. Now, I didn't, but for those of you that did, bless your hearts. Um, I would have loved to have been called into a tr traditional shamanic practice, and I was always very envious of those who were, but I wasn't. So there you go. Okay, but working metaphor. Okay, so when we first wake up into our personal healing, 
continuing to wake up becomes our main meal. It's basically what we are focused on. It is the entree, the main course. It is, and it consumes most of our time trying to serve up and eat and digest that meal. And for many of us, even making a living kind of becomes the salad, right? It's over here on the side. It's always there. It's always good for you. And you should always eat it. So you do need to make a living. But for many people, as they start waking up, how they've been making a living comes into question. And now it becomes simply the way that they fund the effort of waking up what they need to learn, what they need to heal, what they need to study. And it is important, by the way, because waking up requires resources to actually not just bail on your day job, that you need resources to wake up. You need resources to keep the whole system going. And anyway, my point is, metaphor-wise, waking up becomes uh, the whole meal. Right, And in the beginning of waking up, mostly every woke moment simply shows you how much more you have to wake up to. Right, It isn't like you wake up and you're done. That if you're truly wakening consciousness, every moment of greater consciousness simply shows you how you remain poised on the tip of that iceberg and how much more there is to become aware of. And it shows you, like a punch in the face, that every woke moment will slip away. No matter how powerful and life-changing, if you cannot figure out how to maintain and sustain that change of consciousness, it does not matter how profound that change of consciousness is. If you cannot figure out how to maintain and sustain it, you will lose it. You will remember it, but it will become a great frustration because you will not be able to manifest anything relative to it, right? That's the punch in the face. Okay. So the essence of this is very simple. When we can maintain and sustain a change, it becomes a true transformation for us. When we can't maintain and sustain a change, the pursuit of that state becomes an addiction. So let me say that again because it's really deeply important to understand whether you're pursuing consciousness expanding things via shamanism or not. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. As human beings, when we can maintain and sustain a change, it becomes a true transformation. In other words, new ground that we stand on in which we can grow corn that will allow us to create new things. So when we can maintain and sustain a change, it becomes true transformation. When we can't maintain and sustain a change, no matter how mind-blowingly unity consciousness this is the isness that your experience was, the pursuit of that state after the fact will become an addiction. Deal with it. Welcome to the contemporary world and waking up. So when we don't make the hard choices after the woke moment, right, to if we don't make the choices now to look at our life and actually release those energies that we see now are no longer serving us, and we don't have the means by which to truly release those energies, or we don't do the daily practices that we need to maintain and sustain the change, or we don't go out and learn the daily practices we will need to maintain and sustain the change, then we aren't doing the work of being a human and waking up. Right? We aren't choosing to learn. And that is entirely on us. There is no working relationship with spirit that can make that choice for you. That is part of your burden of free will, is you have to choose to learn. So back to the meal metaphor. When we do choose to maintain and sustain our changes and stay humble in that awareness... Uh, that there will always be more awareness needed, then the personal work part of life can become the salad. And this is important. Okay, so in other words, you, you've been in with that main meal transformation f- for long enough and able to maintain and sustain enough of those changes 
learned enough of those skills in your little bag of tricks that you can now move the personal waking up, personal work, personal consciousness aspect of all of this over to your salad, right? And your soul's purpose can become your entree. Your personal work is meant to be the salad. It is not meant to be the entree. Your personal work is meant to be the salad. It's always there. It's always good for you. You should always eat it. You need to eat it to aid in the digestion of your life experience. But it is meant to be the salad, not the main course. So if it is your main course, this is what Kelly was trying to say. Chew up. You know, engage in that whatever it needs to be, maintain and sustain those changes so that you can get to a place where your personal work can become your salad and you can open up to the main course of your life. Living your soul's purpose in a way that brings the needed gifts to the world is your entree. It is the main course in an adult life. So this is what I believe that Kelly was saying. She can always come back on the show and tell me if I'm wrong, right? Um, but to do this, you need to get your personal work onto the salad plate. Eat it every day, but stop making it the point. Shamanic healing and shamanic practice is extremely practical. It is extremely effective for your self-healing. But that is not its point, the point of shamanism has always been the service of the entire web of life, not just people and their ongoing suffering within their suffering. It is meant your, your helping spirits come to you not for your self-healing. They do that with you first because that's how we as contemporary people wake up into it. But your helping spirits come to you so that you live your purpose. That's why they're here. That is the very heart of shamanic practice and the driving force of shamanic healing is to get people to a place where they are able as emotionally mature spiritual adults to live their soul's purpose to do the work they have come into this life to do okay so this brings us to realizing you're stuck or brings Christina to realizing she's stuck. Okay. So the first step in realizing you're stuck is to wake up out of the denial in your life that the things you are doing are actually working. Now, this can get tricky when the things you're doing are actually working and you need to keep growing. It's really easy to see uh, your denial, well, it's easier to see your denial that things aren't actually working when you're actually, they're actually not working. <laughs> right? It's harder when your life is filled with really good things, just too much of that. So I can think of a particular student who has an amazing job, which allows him to be a really strong breadwinner for his family. He has young children. He has a loving wife. He has a profound shamanic practice. He has a Qigong practice, and he is in the cycle of transformation and all of that. And, and it's um, a lot, and often it's too much. And I, I, I'm in that category as well. Too much good stuff. I've got a lot of problems and they're all good problems. They're all good problems to have, but it's still too much. And so there's two, two kinds of stuckness we can get into. We can get into the stuckness because there are things going on that suck. Our health isn't good. Our um, spiritual practice isn't so good. Our, um, we're stuck in our head. We're, we're many, many years stuck on pharmaceuticals. Whatever it is, we're stuck. Right. But a lot of those have to do with we're stuck because things clearly aren't working. But there's also a stuckness that comes when things are working. Okay. So these are some of the modes that contempt, those are sort of like general categories, right? But see, these are some of the specific modes that I see contemporary people get into that prolong their capacity to be in denial about the fact that they are actually stuck in life. And I am, I am, just to say it one more time, 
I am saying that eddying out in shamanism as my personal work forever is a stuckness. That's not its goal. If it's come into your life, it wants you to live your soul's purpose. So you need to get yourself out of the kiddie pool and into the current of life again. I mean, granted, you need to do your personal work. But once again, salad, not main course. Okay, so versions of how people get into – contemporary people get into denial about their stuckness. Okay, so one, first and foremost right now, a highly skilled wounded child. So for those of you that haven't listened to that show, what that is is people who have recognized that the woundedness from their past – Um, Maybe they recognized it because some practitioner labeled them with PTSD, but basically they have recognized that the woundedness from their past is kind of driving the bus of their life, right? And so they've gone out and learned different skills and techniques and practices that allow them to get out of their upset, the kind of upset that comes daily as your wounded child is being triggered by life events, but it doesn't but these practices do not allow this person to get at why their wounded children are reacting it is and and the highly skilled wounded child without consciously knowing they're doing this seeks to create a world that simply doesn't trigger them versus taking responsibility for their triggers and transforming them. And these are two very, very profoundly different attitudes. And so part of the movement of the highly skilled wounded children, many of whom are practitioners, is to create, I'm doing air quotes, safe space for the wounded children where the wounded child isn't uncomfortable. Okay, here's the problem with this. As an adult you should be profoundly uncomfortable with the fact that the wounded child is still driving your bus. That should be uncomfortable because it's not right. Your soul is tortured by that because your soul isn't wounded. Your soul is ancient and wants to get on with why it came here. And this whole wounded child thing you're doing is keeping it from its work. Okay, so... What we need to create in terms of safe space is the space where you as an adult are loved and accepted in your process and your need to learn and that safe space is created for you to transform your woundedness but that that space because it holds you accountable to being an adult at all times because you are chronologically an adult – holds you responsible for being an adult, that it lets you feel in your discomfort around your wounded child behavior that you need to dive back into your basically clearing work. Okay, so this whole constantly trying to create safe space for me to stay wounded so that I can do my healing, right, is misguided. And it is a way that you stay in denial of the fact that you are very much stuck in child even though you are now an adult. And so parsing that out or teasing that out differently and allowing yourself to begin to really cultivate some emotional maturity and resiliency and some spiritual adulthood that allows you to hold your own internal space in such a way that you become safe space to transform the woundedness of your inner child. Okay, moving on, because I'm going to run out of time lecturing about this and there's already a show about it. Okay, so moving on, another version of denial and of your stuckness is I'm an empath. Now, you may be an empath, absolutely, but if you're using I'm an empath to avoid becoming emotionally mature and a spiritual adult, then you are very much like the wounded children the highly skilled wounded children, that you are allowing a gift that you have brought into the world. And this is true for any gift you bring into the world. It's, it, this is true if you brought a beautiful mental gift into the world and you're staying stuck in your head. It's the same idea, that I have this profound gift and it's my excuse now to limp around without developing emotional maturity and spiritual adulthood in my life so that I can be a grown-up and use my gift. Same idea. And so the path with someone who is using the I'm an empath to rationalize staying stuck 
And we have many shows about this in the archives from people who are empaths and are able to function in a healthy way as an empath in the world. And these people all say exactly the same thing in almost exactly the same way. Whatever your gifts and skills are, there are practices that you can do to, do, to, to be in the world in a comfortable way, to maintain your boundaries and your groundedness in such a way that other people are, and their energy are not always invading your space. And that that is on you to go learn these skills and keep learning the skills until you are able to manage an energy body that can give you the support you need energetically to bring those beautiful gifts that you are born with into the world. So it's not an excuse, it's a gift. And so it's important to learn what you need to learn to use that gift. Okay, another uh, common way that people justify or stay in denial about being stuck in life is um, people who get derailed by their emotions. Oh my God, I'm having a big emotion. I can't go to work today. Um, Or they get derailed by the end of the day by everybody else's emotions and energy. So they're completely overrun by everybody else's strong feelings and emotions at the end of the day and they get home and they're just completely exhausted. And so this um, is often presented as this is just how I am. That, that this, is, this, is, this is how I am, you know, I just can't deal with the world. They don't necessarily identify as empaths and they're not necessarily being wounded children. They're just not recognizing that we are all, these are really people that have a gift of heart. That they have strong emotions and a strong emotional response to life, but they haven't done the personal work necessary to be able to have their heart and its big capacity for life be a gift instead of a curse, a blessing instead of a curse. Very similar to these others, as you can see, these are all very common contemporary themes that basically are rooted in the fact that yes, your culture did not give you what you needed to be a healthy adult. Can we all accept that and move on and go find it anyway? Because there's a whole lot of people like myself out there in the world offering really good solid skills that help you deal with the root of these problems. And so that's what this person needs to do is if you recognize that you justify getting derailed by your own big emotions from your day, from your purpose and intent of your day, or overrun by everybody else's emotions or energy – You need to learn the practices very much like the empath that allow you to – this is mostly just emotional energy – that allow you to have a healthy, big relationship with your heart and the emotions in your life and to not have them derail you from your purpose because these emotions are most likely a gift that you need to do your purpose and to otherwise not be overrun by everybody else. Once again – cultivating the energy body you need to bring your skills into the world. So another typical contemporary version of this is what I call crazy talk. And there's a lot of versions of crazy talk, but this is basically the talk in your head, whether that's noticing that coincidences matter and then starting chasing every single possible coincidence in the day and not learning to discern what coincidences are juicy and meaningful and what really are just coincidences that have no greater meaning for you. And yes, there is a difference and learning to discern. And so instead, as you can imagine, the more coincidences you pay attention to, the more you start to notice and it gets to be a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger distraction that is endless from your focus in the day. Again, all of these are versions of where people's energy goes that then maintains their denial from the fact that ultimately they're just stuck, right? Another version of crazy talk is um, conspiracy theories without the willingness to be educated by the actual mm, mechanics of the conspiracy to then inspire you to go create particular change in the world or to organize 
many people to make a particular change in the world. In other words, just talking about conspiracies is another version of crazy talk. It becomes a distraction and kind of a frightening distraction. If we don't learn from the Machiavellian logic of the conspiracy to understand how how do things get affected and get changed in the world. All right. So again, the, these are people who tend towards a kind of mental gift, but get caught up in this um, uh, kind of ping-ponging around in their head in a way that creates constant activity and agitation um, and uh, this kind of um, inspired um, manic energy, but doesn't filter down into learning and into informing new action. And that's why it's consider, I consider it a way that people are avoiding looking at the fact that they're just stuck and frustrated, right? Because an aspect of being stuck is being frustrated, feeling powerless, feeling impotent, things like that. And nobody likes to feel that way, right? So the final one, which I've already talked about a little bit, that can keep us from really noticing that we are stuck is living a good life. Living a life where you love all of it. It's all good stuff and often, especially if it's stuff that has been hard won, that you have worked hard to create these things in your life and you deserve enjoying them because you you earned them through your own merit, not just the gifts that got handed down through your family, but you worked your own ass off for it. You suffered for it and you deserve, you have the right to experience the fruits of those labors. And yet, under it all, there's a part of you that knows now you're stuck in it. And that all that there is in your life takes all of your time and all of your energy. You can't possibly sacrifice any one of those things to get the energy that you need to get unstuck because it's all so beautiful. There are people that are stuck in this place as well. And it's hard. It's a hard place to see. It's hard to imagine what the change could be. And it's hard to feel motivated to change when you're not in a train wreck. I mean, the beauty, and this is the only beauty, actually, of creating a train wreck in your life, is you got to get out of it. It forces you to change, to see things differently and change. The big challenge with the good life is there's not a lot of momentum to get out of it. You worked hard for it. And it's good and you deserve it. And yet your soul knows there's more to do. There's a deeper manifestation of your purpose and that your soul knows you will die in regret if you don't you do it in spite of all the beauty that is in your life. Okay. So those are, those are really common contemporary versions of I am in denial that I am stuck. And in this particular version of taking my own medicine, I'm using myself here as an example, I fit into category five. As I said to people for two years, as I asked, how are things? I said, they're great. All the problems I have are good problems. You know, all the problems I had were out of a place of abundance and out of a place of too much good stuff in my life. And every single bit of it, I had worked my ass off to create. And so I, I get it. <laughs> I really get it. That And yet, underneath it all, when I was deeply honest with myself, I was just not feeling it, not feeling the connection of my passion and my truth and my clarity moving me forward into the day, that everything I was doing was hands down absolutely clearly a manifestation of my soul's purpose. Or the things you have to do to keep those manifestations going. Because I don't love everything I do every day. But I understand certain things have to happen so other things can happen. Nonetheless, I'd wake up in the morning, sit up, wrap the blankets around me, and do my morning intention. And be done. And no, I didn't feel it. There was no juice. And there's nothing wrong with the intention. What was wrong was me. And it started to scare me. So this went on, to be honest with you all, for about two years. 
And in that two years, I, I did what I, I believe we should do first, which is the obvious, right? Because sometimes you're stuck because you've incrementally slipped away from what you know you need to be doing and because it happens in life and you didn't really notice it, right? And you stopped doing what you worked hard to learn to do for who knows whatever reason, okay? So the first thing to do after you wake up and realize you really are stuck is to do the obvious. And as you succeed in changing one of the obvious things, then do the next one. And this is kind of like real, you know, you're about ready to sell your car because your car is just a piece of crap. And you take it in for a tune-up and you drive it out after the tune-up and you go, wow, this car's great. There's nothing wrong with this car. Well, your life can get that way because, you know, we don't have that tune-up schedule for our life or ourselves. Right. Okay. So I consider the doing what's obvious kind of like the tune up. Right. So first, refocus your intent. Is your intent truly accurate and inspiring for who you are in this moment? And by intent, I mean that thing you say precisely the same every day. It's one, two, maybe three sentences at the most. And it is big. And it is really focusing your energy. It's the intent you are giving. You're handing off. You're speaking and handing off to the universe each moment. And that all of your life aligns under the umbrella of this intent. So it doesn't change every day. It's not whatever you feel like every moment. It is a unifying and focusing intent. So first you check your intent. Do you have it? Does what you're saying still fit for who you are at this time? And for many of us, are you doing it every day or are you really just doing it on Sunday? Okay. Number two, refocus your spiritual practices. Are you doing them, right? Because we slip away. Are you doing what you consider your spiritual practices or in other words, the things you do to connect you into your working relationship with spirit, however you conceive of that? Are you doing those things in a way that current that nourishes your current relationship with spirit? So in other words, what I did 30 years ago would be inadequate for what I need to do today to maintain my relation, my current working relationship with spirit. What I need to do today is in many ways simpler than what I used to do, but it is uh, more profound and more powerful because the relationship is more profound and powerful after 30 years. I mean, you'd hope, right? Okay. So whatever your spiritual practices are, whether it's mantras and chanting, have you fallen away? Have you stopped really committing the time and energy that you need? Have you started only doing the shorthand version and not really doing the full process regularly? Okay. Next thing, number three, recommit to your disciplines, your physical disciplines, whatever they are in your life, are you doing them? Are you, have you actually started not really making it to yoga class? Or have you started only making it to yoga class and not doing it at home on your own? Um, or whatever your practices are. Have you kind of stopped actually doing it and letting other things take that time? Right? Number four, be honest. What has happened to your food? Has the food that you eat normally every week become too lax? You've been uh, in your rush and your focus to get things done or your indulgence in your fatigue and exhaustion become the rationalization for eating things you shouldn't be eating? You know, to be, I'm going to be honest, my rationalization for the last two years, so this was 54 and 55 years old was I'm getting older, that I deserve to give myself a little more slack. I'm getting older. I can't expect to do what I did 10 years ago. I can't expect to feel the way I felt 15 years ago, that you need to cut yourself some slack. You're getting older. Yeah, well, that was my rationalization for two years of stuckness, among other things, but that was a big one. It's not untrue, but the bottom line is, this winter, I looked at where that rationalization was getting me 
and I didn't like it. I didn't like who I was becoming by believing in that rationalization. As true as it might be, I am getting older. The energy I have for things, the quality of it is changing. And that's not an excuse. And I was using it that way. So be honest about your food. Have you become too lax or too extreme? Man, I hear people's diets these days, they can eat seven things. Seven, like ever at all, and they still feel like shit. Now, if if you're eating only seven things and you feel great and that is really working for you, then more power to you and your seven things you can eat. And I mean that sincerely. But I have rarely met a person who eats only seven things and feels good about it, feels nourished, feels sustained, feels energized, that mostly they have a deeply threatened fearful relationship with food at this point in time because they can only eat seven things and frankly they only like eating three of them and so there's something going on with your food if that's where you've gotten to in terms of too extreme or too lax and many of us of course usually on the are on the too lax side of things you know we've got a little bit too much of whatever we shouldn't be eating creeping back into our diet and finally the obvious one would be are you doing your clearing or do you just talk about it Are you rigorously, daily, checking in with your energy body hygiene and at the end of the day, reviewing your day for where you could have showed up better and looking at those things and clearing them? And, And for many of you, do you even really have a skill that allows you to do that, to clear the root problem of why you continue to react to the world instead of being able to respond? So those are the basics. Right. And so for me, I did that. I fine tuned the intent, looked at my spiritual practices and refocused them, recommitted to my disciplines, tidied up my food and focused back in on my clearing. And, you know, some of these things were a little problematic, not so much. And the sign that I was not getting unstuck was the fact that I did all those things. But I was unable to maintain and sustain the changes in three out of those five things that I needed to change. That I could do them for a while and then I'd move on to change the next thing. And by the time I moved on to change the third thing, I'd look back and realize the first thing had gone back to how it had been. So for whatever reason, some deeper reason, I was not able to maintain and sustain this tune-up. So clearly, my problem was not needing a tune-up and just an attitude adjustment about my old age, was not those things alone. Those things were all true and they were all real and they were all helpful to pay attention to. But I wasn't able to maintain and sustain those changes. Therefore, there was a deeper level of stuckness that had to be addressed. So there you are at the honesty of the fact that you are really stuck. Uh, I know you think this is kind of obvious, the stuff I'm saying, but I cannot tell you how many clients and students will fight for their limitations that show up saying, I'm doing everything. I can't possibly do anything else that, um, use that are deeply invested in their outside excuses for why they're stuck. They're always doing everything yet. All the evidence in their life is saying you're stuck. My life was saying I'm stuck. So. I had to do something and where it begins as far as I am concerned is with the fact that we're humans. We need to begin with the thing that has the most profound effect on every other aspect of who we are. Now you'd think that would be the soul. I mean, I would think that would be the soul. But for me, you know, most of my soul parts are back. You know, not such a big issue there. You know, for those of you that really actually need to start getting some soul retrievals, yeah, okay, you might want to start there. For me, Though, since I just had the garden variety, you know, this is just the sum total of your life and you're stuck. My go-to place to start, and I encourage many more of you to use it, is your body. Change your chemistry. Your chemistry is the fundamental ground. It is the earth in which your mental, emotional, spiritual life is happening. 
If you want to change any of those things, including the physical, but if you want to change any of those aspects of who you are, change your chemistry. And yeah, it sucks. Deal with it. So you're human. It all begins in the body. You know you're stuck, so change it there in the body. For me, in particular, I was showing the telltale signs that my travel had allowed various uninvited guests into my digestive system. (laughs) And I had been kind of gathering lots of signs of that over two years. And some of them I explained away. Uh, But finally, I really had moved into a place because of these fine-tuning I talked about where I was sleeping really well again. And I've been sleeping really well for weeks. And I had one particularly just profoundly good night's sleep. And I woke up the next morning and I was fatigued. And I thought, you know, damn those things in my digestive system. And I decided that I was going to change my chemistry seriously. And it was spring, you know, moving from winter into spring. And uh, my energy should have been rising because it's springtime, right? It's gorgeous here in the Pacific Northwest in the springtime. Absolutely gorgeous. And what I noticed is I was just getting more depressed. Now, I could have blamed that on Trump and what's going on in the world because it's pretty depressing. But you know what? That's bullshit. I mean, it is depressing. But blaming it on that, that would be bullshit. Okay. So now before I continue with what I did, I need to share a caveat. This is not a prescription for you medically. Everything that I chose to do is something I have done before with the guidance of a healthcare professional, an alternative healthcare professional, but someone who is really trained in years of training nonetheless. And everything that I did in response to my need to change my chemistry and my noticing that as spring was rising, my emotions were tanking, which is something I've talked about in other shows. Okay, all of these things I did because I knew that I could and I knew how to do them thanks to other highly trained professionals. So at other times in my life, I had asked for help and received good answers. And those good answers have stayed in my little bag of tricks. Okay. Plus, I live with a doctor of Chinese medicine. So how bad can I mess up, right? Okay. So with that said, I'm going to share with you literally what I did to change my chemistry. You know, because of the whole, you know, intestinal infestation thing and the fatigue that I was feeling, I did an intestinal cleanse. This particular one that I did involves a couple products that you need to take, and it takes two months. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. It takes two months, but I'll tell you, man, three days into it, the fatigue was gone. And a week into it, I started feeling my energy rising and my response to the springtime being appropriate appropriately lifting and happy to see the beauty around me as a reflection of my own beauty versus tanking and becoming more depressed. And so that was a correct diagnosis. And there are a lot of reasons I knew that was a correct diagnosis, but you could go to a healthcare professional and they could help you make that correct diagnosis. So anyway, intestinal cleanse, two months, liver detox. It was springtime, stepped into a liver detox, did the full version of it, which is two weeks of cleanse. This is after the intestinal cleanse for two months, two weeks of cleanse and two weeks of slow food reintroduction just to make sure I don't have food sensitivities I am unaware of or allergies. But at this point in time, since I do this every year and have for about 20 years, I'm pretty aware of what these are. But nonetheless, I'm in in an effort here to change my chemistry. So I'm doing the reintroduction again carefully to notice if there's something I haven't noticed before. And so what I experienced as a result of this three months investing in changing my chemistry, which involved changing my diet as well as working with these other supplements and things, is a profound change in my level of energy, a profound awareness in relationships I was maintaining that were not healthy, and how I could transform them so I don't actually have time on today's show to get into how I did that, but I have a lot of relationships with you all as a radio show audience, with my students in my community around the cycle teachings, and with my clients. And that it's easy for me with all of that going on to lose track of things and get into some unhealthy dynamics in my efforts to try to show up for everybody. So um, I was able to see that more clearly. I was able to see aspects of the way that I wanted to continue to eat and drink in the future to support this new awareness. 
and um, it it allowed me to then look at the landscape of my life, which was basically a bunch of good things, and begin to make new decisions. Okay, so this is where we're going to have to stop today's episode of uh, taking my own medicine, and this is about moving out of stuckness. And so the big takeaway for today's show is if you're stuck, change your chemistry. If you can't open your heart, stop drinking coffee. If you're depressed, stop eating what you know you shouldn't be eating or drinking alcohol. It's a depressant. Uh, If you don't know your purpose, stop smoking weed for a while, for goodness sakes. That's a direct relationship. If you um, can't stabilize your working relationship with spirit, stop doing ayahuasca every single chance you get and stabilize that relationship. If you can't feel, work with your physician to get off your pharmaceuticals or just do what I did, work with your food. Change your chemistry in a profound way. Change it enough for you to feel different, to see yourself and your world differently. And then make the choices. What do I need to do to maintain and sustain this new state of being? So that ends our episode in... uh, taking my own medicine for now i'd like to give thanks to the ancestral helping spirits for gathering around us for the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all thank you everyone have an excellent week